I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Uh, right. Let's hold on. <laughs> I, I'm swallowing water. <laughs> water. Welcome everyone to the training two one two. Training two one two. Why have I got training two one two in my head? I've just, just read it. I've just read it on fucking. Oh, read it. Right. Yeah, read it. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Welcome everyone, welcome back to the Playing Footsie Podcast. Today we've got Steve D and Steve W with me today. And today is all about ETFs. We're going to talk about ETFs, we're going to talk about index funds, we're going to talk about God knows what else, but it's all to do with funds. And in particular, we're going to talk about exchange traded funds. Today we're not going to be talking about OICs and things, I don't think, unless anyone's got anything on OICs. No? Is that a big shake of the head? No? Yeah, that's fine. Um, No one's got anything on that. So uh, we'll be talking about mainly ETFs today. We'll be talking about our favorite ETFs and just generally people have been asking for it. Then we've got a question at the end. But first, today we're going to start with a game from Steve W because we love playing these games. uh, And I hope you guys like playing these games at home as well. (laughs) So what we got today, Steve? Well, especially for our ETF episode, Paul, uh, I've got a game that I've called ETF Off. Now, um, here's how <laughs> it works. Uh, this is a nice, straightforward game, um, and it's basically another pick a number between 1 and 10. I will tell you some things about an ETF, so I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you its top five holdings and roughly what it's supposed to do. And all you have to do is tell me whether you think its one-year return is higher or lower than the previous ETF. Um basically. Nice and straightforward, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, To start with, I'll tell you the return on SPY, which is an S&P tracking ETF, uh, and then we'll start off with the first one you choose, higher or lower than that, okay? Uh, Paul looks confused. Steve does not look confused. Steve, you can go first. Um, (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Steve, pick a number for me. I will pick 10. You'd like number 10. Okay, you've selected the BNY Mellon US Large Cap Core Equity ETF. Ticker symbol Mm -hmm. is BKLC. Uh, This is a a fairly kind of ordinary uh, US large cap ETF. Um, But the interesting thing about it is it has zero fees. Uh, The charges on this are absolutely nil from BMY Mellon. Um, I don't think it's KWID approved. so I'm not sure it's available in this country because I looked into this a while ago. I thought this would be a nice way of getting some free ETF action. Yeah. But uh, so obviously its top uh, holdings are Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook and Alphabet. Um, They are, in fact, the same as the top holdings in SPY. Um, But SPY is year to date returned 37.55 percent when I looked. What do you reckon, Steve? Is the U.S. large cap core equity ETF higher or lower? Wow. Nice. It's a good game. I don't know anything about I don't know anything about this ETF at all. So I just um, told you a bit. Yes, but that wasn't <laughs> told enough. You enough. Um, <laughs> is it a one thousand? Um, is it the one thousand five hundred large cap? Is that what it is? No, uh, it's smaller than that. I think so. It oh, tracks okay. the Morningstar US okay. large cap index. 
Right, so that that for me then, that probably makes me think a large cap has fared quite well this year. And mid cap and small cap has had a little tail off, but they have less of an effect on the S&P. I'm going to say it has done worse, but only slightly. Uh, close. Uh, you are right with slightly. You are not correct with worse. Do you have a sound effect? <laughs> I mean, if they work, I will try them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they don't. Uh, uh, okay, that's, that's good enough. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, you are, you, are, you are incorrect on that one. So, a feature of this game that I realised earlier is that some of these might be easier or harder depending on the order that you pick them in. Uh, so, you might pick one that's very close to the previous one, or you mm. might pick one that's done substantially better or substantially worse than the previous one. This one has returned 37.65, beating the S&P's 37.55. It's very close. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean for you to start by picking 10, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah. But Paul, um, what I'll, would you like? Yeah, I'll, yeah I, wonder, I wonder why that is. I wonder what, what it's cut out. Because I've always dreamt of doing, um, you know, when trading 212 increases its uh, number of holdings in a pie, I want to do an uh, S&P 500 pie, but just cut out the obvious crap like i don't know all the bat and all the uh sin stocks and stuff like that and see how that returns because that sounds very similar to to what yeah to what we could be planning but um yeah so i'm going to try and keep this one in order for you because uh i think that's going to be easier on your head at least so number nine oh, let's thanks. go uh you're gonna regret not. that <laughs> um okay so when I was looking for a nice range of uh, ETFs here, I thought I would try and find some that reflect our different investing styles uh, as well, because you can get uh, ETFs that show you uh, that are supposed to track different styles and be exposed to different factors. You've actually selected the one that I identified as Steve's uh, a kind of investing style here. Um, but never mind. Uh, you have selected the Global Jesus. X MSCI Columbia ETF, um, <laughs> I which gives you exposure to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, this tracks the MSCI Columbia 2550 index. Uh, the largest holdings, I can help you here if you like on this, are um, Ecopetrol, Banco Colombia, Interconexion, Electrica, Grupo Energia, Bogota. Uh, I'm not sure quite where the commas were between those words, if I'm honest, <laughs> now that I've written them down. Um, but the uh, ticker is GXG. What do you reckon? Uh, has that done better or worse than 37.65% in the last year? <laughs> Yeah, the shoe's on the other foot now, isn't it? Yeah, you ain't got enough information to go on now, have you? With your five famous Colombian companies. Well, actually, I'm going to try and apply something here because I know that Bogota has had a lot of infrastructure uh, spending this year from the Colombian government. And... Um, and then I just want to talk about cocaine after that. But uh, I'm going to go with less because I think that most South American co uh, companies have done quite poorly out of the pandemic, in, uh, but except for the e-commerce ones. That's about it, really. So I'm going to go with less. Less than 37.65. You are correct, Paul Briscoe. Uh, it has indeed yeah. returned less than 37.65. It has returned 12.77%. Uh, and to get access to this mighty 12.77% return, which I think is higher than my portfolio anyway, uh, you would have to pay a 0.62% charge uh, for it. Those are the fees on this one. Ooh, compared quite to hefty. Free quite big. BM My Melon. Mm. It's above the um, yeah ETF average. It's uh, it's also one of the bigger ones on this list that I've got here as well. 
Uh, okay, Steve, following on from Columbia, your specialist subject. So just to, because I know Paul isn't keeping score and I like him to uh, be unsure of the numbers, I will pick four. You'd like number four. <laughs> I, I, I knew this would happen. Um, you have selected the Paul Briscoe ETF at uh, number four. Yeah. Uh, you have selected the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation ETF, ticker symbol VIG. Uh, this tracks the NASDAQ Dividend Achievers Select Index, which when I read it is a collection of dividend uh, paying companies that exhibit growth tendencies. Whatever that means. Uh, but that sounds like the kind of thing that Paul likes, <laughs> dividends and growth wow, and stuff. Wow, I like this one. Uh, so, this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, largest holdings are Microsoft, JP Morgan, Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, and United Health. Um, what do you reckon, Steve? Better or worse or higher or lower Ooh. than Columbia? Oh, definitely, definitely higher. That sounds like a good ETF. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to... I was going to actually suggest we guess. I was going to suge- suggest we guess the top five holdings of that. I would have got it completely wrong, by the way. But like, I, yeah, same, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, you are correct, Steve. Um, this is indeed better than that. It's also substantially cheaper than the Colombian ETF. This one just costs you 006 percent, which you know, just above being free, is the cheapest one. Wow! Uh, apart from number ten here. Uh, that's it. Why, why bother having a I'm going to sell up everything sell up and, and buy, buy that ETF. You would have yeah, returned that's like exactly what I was thinking just then. 1%, 2%. Wow. Impressive. Wow. Much mm. better than probably what I've done as well, which is impressive. What kind of that's ETF great. would you like next, Paul? Uh, number one. Okay. <laughs> uh, number one is... <laughs> Number one is another one that I sort of associate with Steve more than you, but I associate with a bit. Oh, that's uh, you've selected another geographic region, uh, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, <laughs> you have an unerring eye for these things. This time you've ex- uh, you've selected one that's right on trend at the moment, the Global X FTSE Nordic Region ETF. Um, the ticker symbol okay. is GXF. Uh, it tracks the FTSE Nordic 30 index, which includes things like, some of these you will have heard of, uh, Novo Nordisk, DSV, Panalpina, uh, Atlas Copco, Nordea Bank, and Vestas. Yeah, interesting. The number is 31.12. Do you think higher or lower? Sorry. Interesting that Vestas is in there. Vestas is a Danish company, Mm -hmm. isn't it? If I'm so. uh, Wow. Uh, Norwegians would be uh, happy with that one. Um, Is is it? I wasn't. It is. It's got Nord in the name, so I just imagine it was <laughs> it was Norwegian. Uh, and that's gonna... what the Norwegians oh, won't be pleased about, by the way. Yeah. You're assuming that so, everything's with honest... Nord in it. <laughs> I know, yeah, they're going to be most annoyed about that. Um, ah, right, okay, so you've thrown me with Vestas and uh, the other one, Nova Nordisk, there, because mm-hmm. they have performed very, very well. And it's got a beat... What was it? What's it got to beat? Sorry, thirty-one point one two. No, I don't think it's going to beat that. I think there's going to be too many uh, oil pipeline ones, which haven't done as well. In the oh, it's in year to date, isn't it? Is it year to date? Uh, no, no, it's one year. Oh, one year. Oh, yeah, it's going to be lower then. Yeah, strictly as one year as of yesterday when I wrote this down. Uh, but uh, no, oh, it's okay. higher. Um, it's returned okay. 35.01%. That's not adjusted for a half a percent fee, for what it's worth. But okay. um, that's a strong performing ETF from the Impressive, last year yeah. or so. Yeah. Steve? Very good. I'll take uh, numero three. Numero three. Uh, grief. 
So two things here. One is that you're currently level and I don't have a tiebreaker. So I'd be pleased if you could uh, find a way of sorting this out by the end of the game. Um, secondly, you picked the other uh, sort of Paul inspired. This is less of a Paul thing. Um, and I think Paul's not going to like this very much. And he's not going to like being compared to this particular thing. But this is a Global X Super Dividend ETF. Oh, yeah, uh, so great. for those of you who think dividends are not quite enough, have some super dividends. Uh, the ticker symbol is SDIV. Uh, it tracks a thing called the Solo Active Global, Div- Global Super Dividend Index. Um, and here come its collection of companies. And I would I urge oh, you to think to yourself God. whether you've heard some companies you want to short sell more than these. Uh, <laughs> number one is the Yanju Coal Mining Company. Um, yep. <laughs> second is Transmissora Alianza de Energia Electrica. Uh, third is Electric Consumer Products. Fourth is NOS, whatever that is. And fifth is Everest Steel. Right, okay, that's lower by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did say it might be easier or harder depending on what order you choose these things. Yeah. Uh, Paul, I take it you don't particularly want the Andrew Coal Mining Company for your portfolio? Uh, uh, no, I'm okay. I take it this is totally based just on dividend yield because the price of these companies has just fallen through the floor, <laughs> just I imagine. The, just for the benefit of everybody watching, I've already ticked mine as a right answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, I tell you what you can do as well, Steve, is tick my next one as a right answer because I'm guaranteeing yeah. that this is going to be the lowest ETF, and basically Brucey can go higher or lower here, and it's always going to be higher. Yeah, than yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll uh, go what through numbers the anyway? Hold on, hold oh, on. on. Sorry, uh, you are correct, oh. Steve. It is lower, twenty-seven point oh two. It actually costs you nine point six percent to get access to this thing. Twenty-seven point oh two. Yeah, so wow. it's actually gone backwards wow. in quite the way you were expecting. I wonder whether that puts Paul off a little bit and thinking that's obviously the lowest returning thing I could find. Uh, but sorry, Paul, your, your choice of a number. I just love how we were trying to move on then, and we hadn't even got the answer yet. So, uh, right, uh, number two was it? Was uh, that available? Number t- <laughs> number two is available. Uh, number two is very okay. much the opposite of this. Uh, number two is the Ark Innovation ETF. Uh, so it's Ark. Oh K. no! Um, yeah. Big holdings: Tesla, Teladoc Health, Roku, Zoom, and Square. Uh, it's the most expensive on our list. Costs two point seven five of a percent if you want it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know it's an actively managed ETF. It doesn't track an index. The ticker is ARK-K. You get the idea. Higher or lower than, uh, what did I say, 27.02? Oh. Uh, I, no, I'm still going to say that's higher. It's still going to be higher than um, Ooh, ah, the Jiangsu Coal lower. Mining Company. No, I'm going to say <laughs> higher. I'm going to say higher. I'm I mean, I feel, higher. Like, Tesla... I feel as though Cathy Wood's Go resigning on. if she's getting beaten by the coal mining company, isn't she? Uh, yeah, it's got. I'm going to even guess that it's about seventy-five percent. It's probably, probably quite a, quite a lot higher, isn't it? Uh, don't get carried away with yourself here, Paul. You are correct that it's higher, mm-hmm. but it's not seventy-five yeah. uh, percent. Okay. It's fifty-four percent. It's actually <laughs> okay. roughly double the dividend thingy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Steve, your number. I will take lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. This is your favourite one, Steve. You and I have actually briefly talked about this ETF before. Uh, very briefly and not in enough serious depth for me to think it would be a problem if we had it on here. But I know this is one that uh, resonates with you particularly closely here. Uh, number seven is the Global X S&P 500 Catholic Values ETF. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the ticker symbol is C-A-T-H. Uh, this is, it tracks, of course, the S&P 500 Catholic Values Index. Um, yes. I remember us talking about this. <laughs> 
Uh, its main holdings are uh, the Sacred Bread Company, the Holy Water Utility. No, they're not those things. They are. Um, <laughs> I'd love it if that was true. They are, in fact, <laughs> Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Alphabet. Ah, famous Catholic yeah. companies. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, um, Jesus Jesus loves Google. Jesus loves Google. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping like you would try and like shoehorn put mobile cars in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, oh, this is this feels like it shouldn't be tough. It's got to be lower. It's got to be lower. Mm. Uh, lower than fifty-four point two nine says it's Steve. Got to be. You're correct. It's lower, Steve. Um, out of interest, do you think it's higher or lower than the S and P five hundred by itself? I, I think it it could be. It depends on what the rest of the holds. It could be high. It's quite an interesting top few, isn't it? I actually wonder whether you're correct. It's slightly higher, actually. No points for that. But I wonder whether this is close to what Paul was after. Whether it's basically the S and P five hundred with the sin stocks thrown out. Uh, yeah, Catholic don't like those sorts of things. You chuck them all out, and actually, you end up sort of just sneaking it by a percent or so. So it's thirty-eight point five percent. It's returned. Costs you zero point two nine percent to be involved with this vehicle. Um, uh, but yeah, you're right, Steve. It is slightly higher. Uh, I can I can yeah, see maybe. Paul's brain wearing on the irony of Catholics removing sin. Um, <laughs> but well, let's move on. Uh, uh, before I say. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I'm glad you've jumped in there because I was about to say something. Yes, I know. I'm going to say it anyway. Fuck it. I'm going to say it anyway. They've obviously uh, they've obviously dropped out uh, British American Tobacco and all them and replaced it with uh, Acme Abortion in- <laughs> Incorporated. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean. The bit that I, I take... couldn't deliver that one very well. I couldn't deliver that one very well. The main bit I find objectionable about this is this is the second time now that you've said British American tobaccos on the S and P five hundred. I'm pretty sure it's not, is it? It's a footsie company. Is it not? Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm keep, <laughs> keep confusing it with like Philip Morris. Philip Morris. Philip Morris is in I there. Keep saying, yeah, I, I keep saying back, but yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you let me off. Pick a number, that. Paul. Not, quickly. Let me off with that one. Uh, number. No, four, four was early. Four was early. I know that one. Number eight. Oh, he's got one. Eight is available. <laughs> eight is... Uh, Achievement. Well, it's it's connected to Steve D's Pokemobile uh, thought here. It's the iShares self-driving EV and tech uh, ETF. So uh, ticker symbol is IDRV. This tracks the NYSE Factor Global Autonomous Driving and Electric Vehicle Index. Uh, and its largest holdings at the time I looked had, a lot of them had little to do with cars, but they were AMD, Apple, Alphabet, Tesla, and NVIDIA. So they, you can see what they have to do with autonomous driving, uh, but yeah. they're not necessarily car manufacturers in these cases. Uh, sorry, your no, number for um, the AI, Catholics was 38.5. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a hard one. It's a hard one because and it's interesting that NVIDIA there is number five on your list so uh mm-hmm. i'm gonna say higher than the catholics sorry jesus but um i'm gonna say nvidia beats you hands down there <laughs> sorry jesus i'm going for the semiconductor stuff <laughs> uh well you are you are going to hell but you are going there with a point um so you are correct uh it costs 0.47 percent to get yourself on this, um, and it's returned 65.45. EVs and autonomous stuff and semiconductors and so on are the thing at the moment. 
Okay. Out of interest, uh, I'd yeah. love to know how much AI is in the Catholic ETF because uh, I wonder if they consider it as trying to achieve a, a sort of godlike status. Um, be interesting to to know what they think on that. <laughs> where where the Catholics stand on automation and uh, AI. I'm going to have to ask one. So, sometimes, sometimes I wonder how we overrun an hour and other days, <laughs> like today. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, uh, I'll have number 16. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie <laughs> Catholic ETF show. Uh, <laughs> uh, you'd like number six. Okay. Well, you've selected the other one that sort of vaguely has your name on it, Steve. Um, you've selected the iShares MSCI Spain ETF. Um, ticker symbol is EWP, tracks the uh, MSCI Spain index. Uh, if you're not sure what Spanish companies are on here, some of these will be familiar to you. So largest holding is Iberdrola. Iberdrola. Yep, Banco Santander is on there. Iberdrola. Industria, Diseño, Textil, Celnex Telecom, and Banco Bilbao. Uh, so there's a couple there that you've... I, I know you've heard of a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to go under. I think that's got to be under. Under 65.45 for Spain. It's got to be. Yeah. You are correct. Uh, yep, it is. It's returned 21.82%, which is not bad. Uh, it costs you half a percent or so as a fee. But, um, okay, this leaves us with... Oh, dear, I think we're heading for a draw, and I will think of a tiebreaker time. But, uh, Paul, what number does that leave you with? Come on, Paul. No, this no is the idea. point. No idea. Number <laughs> six? Number six? No. <laughs> literally, literally no. that was all we just had. No. <laughs> it leaves you with number five, Paul. Uh, but more interestingly, here's the ETF it leaves you with. It's one of your favourites, too. I know. I've, I've seen you on the Briscord talking about this kind of thing. Um, Great. It is, in fact, the... Which religion can I offend it? No, it's not, it's not a religious one, I promise. Um, <laughs> it is the Global X founder-run companies ETF. Um, so ticker symbol is BOSS. Uh, and it tracks the sole active US founder-run companies index. And the largest companies in this ETF are Salesforce, Roku, Fortinet, uh, Ares Management, and NVIDIA again. You like founder-run things, Okay, Paul. for the record. Yeah, for the record, um, I don't know the ETF, so I don't know where you've seen me talking about it, but it sounds very good because founder, founder-led companies are very important, aren't they? Because, uh, you know, they, they have been the best performing historically so you know what based on that logic let's go with above spain oh yeah of course it's above spain yeah of course <laughs> yeah so to be clear i didn't mean i'd seen you talking about the etf i mean i'd seen you talking about founder-led uh founder-led as yeah. an important feature of things and i saw this and thought of you um thought maybe paul would like to give up his uh shares in that coal mining thing that he has uh and stick some <laughs> of them into salesforce instead uh, but you're correct, Paul, which unfortunately means we have a draw. Okay, I've thought of a tiebreaker. Um, Lovely. The cost, by the way, for the founder-led ETF thing was 0.45 as a charge uh, for what that's worth as a percent. I've told quite you lots lot. of them so far. Uh, quite a lot, says Paul. Um, okay. Well, ARC, um, ARC, is, ARC is probably... All the ARCs are 0.45, aren't they? So, like... Um, uh, the one here is... The one I'm level. looking at here is 0.75. Arc Innovation. It's the most expensive okay. we have. It's also got the biggest return. So they'll tell you it's worth it. She's, Here's your tiebreaker uh, then. She's raised um, Do you have a pen and paper, either of you? Should I do. Beforehand. Okay, Steve, that'll do. Yeah. Steve, write down yeah. a number for me. I'd like you to write down um, what you think the average uh, percentage charge on ETFs, or for an ETF is. I have this written down here. Uh, closest wins. 
Of all the ETFs. All the ETFs, not just the ones I've just talked about. This isn't wow. just a were you paying attention mm. thing. Uh, source on this is a website called ETFDB, which was where I got all the information for this from. Okay, I mm -hmm. have a number. Okay, got one, Paul? Uh, yeah. Okay, um, Paul, tell us your number, and I'll see what Steve's written down in a second. I've got 0 0.2. 0 0.2, no. Steve? Yeah. Oh, sorry. 0 .2, what? Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes. 0 .2, 0 .2, yes. 0.2. <laughs> Steve? I don't know if you'll be able to see it. But I, well, it's backwards, but that's a 4. 0 uh, 0 0.4. It's the right way on my screen. It's 0 0.4, and that means that, amazingly, uh, and in a thing that has almost never happened before, Paul has not won. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. the, the average charge for ETFs is uh, 0.544, according to ETF. Oh, really? TV. That's high. Um, thanks for playing, everybody. Welcome to the end of ETF Off. <laughs> um, uh, if you enjoyed ETF off, uh, give us uh, a comment. Tell us how many you would have guessed right. I I think that was quite an easy one because I, I think they the the ETFs laid out for us a little bit, didn't they? Where you had sort of Spain versus Arc, and you just go, oh well, yeah, of course. So I mean, we could have done we should have done that in a Brucey bonus kind of way, shouldn't we? We needed to get some. Get some cards next time on the back and uh, do yeah. Uh, yeah, I, do I, I keeps flexing. Like and... I'm not actually old <laughs> yeah. enough to know what a Brucey bonus is. I have to leave that sort of thing to you guys. You <laughs> don't know what Bruce. You know Bruce Forsyth and the. I know who Bruce Forsyth is. I don't know what a Brucey bonus is particularly. I don't think I want to know that. That sounds like an oh, that... CV thing to me. Yeah, Can that's, I tell it, you that's it. Just a really, <laughs> really quick anecdote. When when we came back to work and um, the obviously we had the two meter rule. Our boss, being humorous, went and stuck up loads of um, nice two meter, two meter nice signs with Brucey on it. And I booted <laughs> booted down the door after coming back from the toilet, strode in like Brucey with the, with the pose and did my best nice two meter, two meter nice impression. <laughs> Only to find that two of my key customers were just on the other side of the stud wall waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you anyway. grab the deal. Bruce Forsyth yeah, always so... grabs the deal, so there you go. <laughs> right, okay, let's get started. We're going to talk about ETS today. Thank you very much for listening to that. Uh, <laughs> that. Um, uh, so what we're going to talk about today is ETFs. We're going to go through everything, all things ETF. We're going to talk about what ETFs are. We're going to talk about what to look for in an ETF, and we'll talk about some of our favourite ETFs, which don't probably aren't anything to do with what we've just played. Although I've just heard of this new super dividend ETF, and uh, I, need, I need to be, of course, I need to be buying that. Right, I need to be buying Yangzhou Coal. Right, so. Anyone want to first just go straight in and explain very simply to everybody quite quickly as well what an ETF is and what different types of ETFs there are? Sure. Um, so an ETF essentially, when you boil it right down, is a basket of stocks that track something. Um, what that something is depends on... Um, what ETF you choose. So there are ETFs that chat, uh, track the global stock index as a whole, um, which is obviously a very broad ETF. And there are ETFs that track something very narrow. Like, for instance, one we talk about a lot here is Global Clean Energy, which is basically just tracking any sort of company that's building solar panels or 
or building wind farms or building turbines or something like that. So there are broad ETFs, there are narrow ETFs, there's a little bit in the middle, there's different ways of organizing them. But what they are essentially is rather than stock picking, it's spreading your risk across a, a broad category or geography. Yeah. That's it. And um, obviously, these are very slightly different to investment trusts or open-ended investment uh, companies, which uh, you can buy on quite on a lot larger um, uh, investment brokers. Uh, Hargus Lansdowne is where I have mostly invested in OICs before. Generally, what they are, they're traded t slightly different. So those OICs, they will compound at the end of the day. So any trades that have been made throughout the day will be uh, settled at the end of the day and you won't be able to buy until the start or the end of the day. ETFs are slightly different because they trade like a stock. They trade on the stock market so you can buy and sell it as you please. And to be honest with you, I personally like that over the investment trusts and is that's why I look to ETFs more than anything. Uh, and as Steve D said, that you can have very broad-based ones or very uh, specific ones. You can have ones that track indexes, and you can have actively managed ETFs. For example, Arc Innovation and, all, in fact, all of Arc's uh, ETFs are uh, managed ETFs. And then most of the Vanguard ones are some form of index funds. They, there's a few uh, managed ones, like the Life Strategy ones. They're, they're, I think they're managed, but the broad-based mm -hmm. ones, the huge ones, the ones that uh ben felix and everyone are banging on about it are the vanguard uh index funds the s p 500 the all world uh high dividend if you really want to anything like that so there's lots of different ways we can buy etfs so with that in mind what should we look for in an etf and what are the pitfalls maybe of buying into an etf so I guess one thing to look for in an ETF that we were, I was trying to kind of highlight a little bit as we went along and draw our attention to in that game is that they do charge fees with these kind of things. They're a nice kind of ready-made way of doing things, but there are fees associated with them. And especially if you get your trading commission free and you care very much about the fees that you're paying out, you should be aware that most ETFs, uh, not the BMY Mellon one that I mentioned, and that made it kind of unique on that list, will take some of your money off you on a quarterly or annual or whatever basis out of the fund. You won't have to kind of actively send it over. It will just go away. But the fund will come down in value a little bit as fees get taken out. And they can be higher and they can be lower. Uh, you heard the average is about half a percent or so. That may well be worth it to you, but worth keeping an eye on with exactly how much you're getting charged for these kind of things. And specifically, we found out that ARK Invest, which is the highly managed ETF, uh, which has returned quite a lot in the past two years or so, uh, that charges a 0.75p uh, fee, which is quite a considerable fee. And to be honest with you, some even charge much more. I've seen ones which are over 1%, which is, uh, you know, that's a lot to lose, especially if you're compounding that. The compounding will go in the opposite way as far as the uh uh, the fee goes so you need to consider that especially when you get to like a million you know if you if you've gone 20 years you, you you're now thinking oh crap i'm spending 0.75 percent of 1 million every year so that's because yeah, the problem but then the vanguard ones away isn't it yeah it, it is I, I wish i could do that calculation off the top of my head but um yeah it is a lot to just give away and I mean, we talk about Hargreaves Lansdowne. I was trying to talk to people about that earlier, actually. And 
we talk about people ask me about where we should buy stocks and obviously personally i i buy stocks in trading 212 because the fees aren't particularly high you've got that niggling little uh fx fee that they've brought in which is quite annoying to be honest with you but uh, they, overall, it is commission free, but on Hargreaves Lansdowne, buying individual stocks, and this includes ETFs. We need stocks. ETFs are included as stocks on something like Hargreaves Lansdowne. They charge you eleven ninety nine per trade. That was the last time I checked. I don't know if it's any different now, but last time I checked, it was eleven ninety nine per trade. So if you're dollar cost averaging into these ETFs on a, com on a company like Hargreaves Lansdowne or any company that charges you a set fee per trade, you are going to lose. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You're, you're going to lose money in that situation. So, I mean, if you've got a million on hand and you wanted to put it into uh, a large Hargreaves Lansdowne fund, uh, an index, broad-based index fund that they've got maybe, one of the Bale Giffords uh, funds, they're really good. The health innovation one I have on Hargreaves Lansdowne at the moment, only a little bit in it, but it's it's quite good. And um, if you wanted to get into those big ETFs on that, on that platform and you had a million quid, then maybe it is worth just lumping in and paying the 11 pound fee because you're not going to get charged that extra fee. Uh, However, if you dollar cost averaging in Vanguard and the S&P 500 Vanguard and the all world Vanguard ETF, I think the fee there is like 0.07. It's stupidly, stupidly low. And that is where all the famous Warren Buffetters, you know, Warren Buffett says that you should be in index funds. And really, when you're in index funds, you've got to consider two things. You want to make it as tax advantage. You want to make your account account as tax advantaged as possible. But also you want to make it as fee advantaged as possible as well. And that is where you could get eaten up. And it's why I say a lot of the time, if you are in index funds, you're never going to meet the market. In fact, you're going to lose against the market every single time because there's going to be tax and there's going to be fees. Uh, so yeah, big one, big one for fees. Is there anything else we should be looking out for uh, with index funds? It, it's key to remember that um, <clears throat> ETFs really, really grew in popularity because they replaced the the, the traditional mutual fund. So um, a mutual fund generally runs with well, they normally they used to be above two percent fees, but they have recently dropped under two percent um, fees, and they also used to lose um, a percentage of the profit if the fund made a significant amount of profit, especially if it was operating like a hedge fund. Essentially, you could lose another ten percent on top of that as well. So mutual funds are really, really expensive. Now, it is quite funny to see people thinking that a half a percent fee is quite expensive when, historically speaking, it's it's rather cheap. Um, but you guys are definitely, definitely right in that you have um, a number of S&P funds that are all tracking the same thing. You should stop looking at the fees when the fees are 0.07. If you get 0.05, 0, 0, 0.07, even 0.1, you should forget about those fees. You should start looking at something called a tracking error, and they have to publish their tracking error. Um, if you're paying 0.05% and their tracking error is actually – performing worse than the index itself, it's almost better playing the 0.1% fee and having a better track. So it's just one of those key things to put out there that the so ETFs are 
so cheap. Um, the all-world one is, is actually 0.23. It's a lot more expensive because it has to gather stocks from all around the world. Obviously, that's not always going to be commission-free or easy. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit extra on the all-world one. But, um, yeah, really, really interesting thing is the tracking fee. And the ETFs, especially in the UK and the EU, they have to publish that. So it's another sort of, like, careful consideration. Yeah, and it's worth uh, noting that a lot of the ETFs out there that we would like to invest in. We talk about the ARK Invest ETF all the time, and a lot of people say, well, why can't I invest in it? And eToro allows me to invest in it, that sort of thing. But eToro doesn't allow you to invest in it. Uh, it's a CFD. You're making a contract with eToro to buy it based on what the movement of the ARK Invest ETF is. And that is because, and the reason why you can't invest in the ARK Invest right now is because it doesn't have a valid KIID document. It doesn't. Uh, basically to perform or invest in the EU in a fund, uh, there has to be a key information document. And if it doesn't have that inf key information document, it simply is not allowed. It is not compliant with EU law. And that's why you can't invest in it over here. You can't invest in it in Europe. And currently you can't invest in it in the UK because we still abide by a lot of the EU law. But that could be changing very, very soon uh, if you read the news so there are a lot of different ways things that you can and can't do with these ETFs, and you have to watch out for that and one of them that has been popping up recently is that eToro and even trading 212 i think uh they try have tried to get you to invest in uh arc invest but really what all you're doing is buying against uh the movement of the price in a contract with the broker so you need to be what be very very wary of that as well one thing that I wanted to move on to with ETFs is the difference between the indexed ETFs and the mutual fund ETFs or uh, managed ETFs is the quality of the companies that exist within them. So when we're buying uh, a large broad-based ETF uh, or a broad-based index, we are looking at, uh, I always mention Ben Felix on this because Ben Felix is the guy that, uh, pushes this uh, as big as possible because he's got great stats. He's, he looks at the history and he's found that it's very, very, very hard to outperform the S&P 500. And it's very, very, uh, he relies on a five piece ETF structure, I believe. Uh, so he believes that you just have to buy five ETFs and you will perform well enough to earn into your retirement. Uh, one of them is small cap value. So he, he says, just buy it set it forget it and uh you'll be a millionaire in 30 years or whatever and i mean i mean is is that a really good strategy is that a strategy that you think is a pretty good idea or yeah should we, are we just wasting our time picking stocks i quite like it as a strategy i mean the reason i so my uh, basically my investing is divided into sort of two parts there's my lifetime isa which is with hargreaves lansdowne and there's my kind of ordinary isa if you like which is with trading 212 and all of my kind of invested money is in one or other of those things obviously there are limits on how much you can put into either one um but my stuff in hargreaves lansdowne is set up in uh basically etfs of a sort or uh funds more generally uh i don't try to pick stocks there very much so what I do there is I'm split out between four different types of things. I'm following the kind of Ray Dalio approach there of thinking about all weather investing. So the rough idea is uh, you can be in one of four different situations. You can either have inflation high or low and GDP growth high or low. Uh, so you can have high both, low both, high one, low the other, low one, high the other. 
And in those different things, four different things will do well. Stocks will do well, bonds will do well, commodities will do well, and gold will do well. Um, and what you do is basically find a gold, e uh, gold tracking ETF or a gold miner tracking ETF, uh, something like a global tracker for uh, stocks, something like a global tracker for bonds, and something like a commodities ETF. Set those to a kind of ratio and just rebalance them every so often. And the idea is that... Um, as things develop, one or other of those will do well. You'll reset yourself every so often. And this is very much a way of kind of exposing yourself to kind of macro trends. This is very much a kind of what investors like to call top-down approach. So it doesn't involve thinking about specific companies and working your way upwards. It involves thinking about, well, either na uh, national or regional or global kind of uh, factors and thinking, how's the world going to go? Is, the, is global GDP going up or down? Um, there, I want something that covers that in my kind of portfolio. I'll have something else that won't, but I'll rebalance it. We talked a little bit a while ago about this idea of a barbell. I think this is kind of a slightly more sophisticated version of that, more or less. Um, but that's how I set myself up with ETFs. My lifetime ISA, which is my place where I keep ETFs, uh, is or, or funds in general, um, is set up for that kind of thing. And when you're getting into ETFs, what should you be looking for within ETFs? Like, should how how well do you think you should know about the companies that exist within these ETFs? Like, I don't know, if I bought uh, an ETF, the S&P 500 ETF, uh, the big index ETF, should I know roughly quite a lot about all the companies or the top 10 companies? Or if I was to buy a much <coughs> smaller ETF, a much more um, uh, specific ETF, like the global EV ETF, should I know a bit more about the companies in those? What, what's the difference? The thing I've, yeah, the thing I've always found here, and I know I've had good conversations with Steve about this, so I'll flip this over to him in a moment, is that when I'm getting an ETF, if I start looking through all of the holdings in it, I'm going to find one I don't like the look of. If it's got more than about three companies in it, I'm going to start thinking, okay, I kind of like these four things, uh, but there's also loads and loads of stuff in it that I don't like. And why don't I just buy these four things as stocks rather than buying this ETF that's also stuff full of things I don't like? There is an exception to that. And the exception to that comes when an ETF has exposure to things, I think, that can't easily be held in an ISA, like, say, Tencent or something like that for a global uh, ETF. But this is something Steve and I have talked about before. I'll flip this over to him a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say, really, the key point here for me is the broader the ETF, the less you really have to look at it. So if you're looking at an all-world ETF, there really is no point looking through the holding saying, oh, I don't like that, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold that, because that's not the idea. But the idea of a global, um, a global world tracker is that you believe that as a world, globally, we're, we're going to prosper. Um, and that's it, essentially. Um, the idea of the tracker in that regard is that it will track that prosperity, not necessarily the underlying company. They will come and go as companies do. However, when you've got a narrower focus, which is something we see quite a bit on the Discord, for example, somebody says, oh, this Vanguard high dividend ETF sounds great. Well, look at the holdings in it. The, the holdings are tobacco companies and oil companies and Often when you see a high yield, it shouldn't be um, sort of a ooh, lip smacking, ooh, 8%. It should be, well, why is it 8%? It's often 8% because the share price has been mutilated. The industry is dying. Um, you know, the company has stopped growing, but is still making decent decent profits. All of those things are actually a threat to a, to a high dividend. So, yeah, if you're not, if you're investing in a narrow focus, you've got to look at the companies. I mean, we said it with INIG when Plug Power was taking up such a massive amount of INIG that this is this just feels so wrong because 
Pug Power is so far away from making any money, it shouldn't be at the top of any ETF. Um, but yeah, uh, that's really my idea of what it is. If you're just going to invest globally, yeah, just do it. If you're going to invest in the S&P, then yeah, you've, you've just got to do it. But if you're looking at something specific, if you're trying to pick up something specific, you've got to look through those holdings and say to yourself, if I was to, if I was, if ETFs didn't exist, would I be buying these these top 30 companies? And invariably, you'll probably find the answer is is you wouldn't. Yeah, that's interesting because what you should really do is start off by going to the website of whatever company is holding your ETF. So, for example, let's, I mean, we'll take a couple of them. Vanguard S&P 500 ETF or Global World ETFs. Simply type into Google Vanguard Global World ETF and it will take you to the information page on that ETF. Scroll down, there will be a description of what the ETF is trying to achieve. So, for example, a global world ETF is exactly what Steve D explained. They're trying to track the entire global world. And you'll get a feeling there that this ETF or this index fund is designed to be passive. It's designed to be a passive investment. And that is what uh, Bogle, Bogle created in 1975. And... Um, that was that was the whole aim for that ETF. However, when you look, go to INRG, have a look at the uh, go to the iShares website, type in iShares Global Energy ETF, and have a look there at what the investment trust or the managed ETF is. Oh no, it's not. It's an index, isn't it? Tracking its own index, which is another thing we need to get onto at this point as well. Um, we'll, we'll I'll quickly bring that up later. Uh, have a look at this description and you'll see that it's there to track the top. I think it was the top performing stocks in clean energy. I think that was what, what its description was. And what you're going to find there is that you, you're going to learn there that it's a very specific. It's a very, uh, a, a very small ETF of about 30 odd holdings. And it's going to track some high volatility. It's going to track some companies with which probably aren't making profit. And that's what you need to do. You need to look very closely at that ETF and go, okay, how good are these companies that are in there? And how much do I love them? Because what you're going to find them, and something that I find for ETFs, let's go with INRG as, as the example. So particularly before, of its, before its reshuffle, because it's had a bit of a reshuffle now. It did have... Plug Power at the top, it had uh, quite a few hydrogen companies, a couple of solar companies and a couple of wind companies uh, kind of down into the top 10. So you have a look at that top 10 and think, okay, would I buy these? And you go, actually, yeah, they're quite speculative, but it's good. And then personally, I don't know how you guys feel after that, but after the top 10, that's what I'm using the ETF for. So I'm picking the, looking at the top 10 and I'm going, okay, these are quite high weights in the ETF. I need to know these companies if they're at least slightly good. And if they're good, then what I'm doing after that with the other 15, other 20, other 30, what I'm doing at that point is I'm letting the ETF do its job because in there will be the other speculative ones, the other ones that I don't know a lot about, which could possibly bring the ETF up. And obviously you know, be them little gold mines that uh, make, that return the good profit. So what I tend to do as I go into ETF like that or index funds like that is I'll try and find the top 10. I'll see if I like the top 10, do at least as a small analysis on them. I don't try and go too, too hard on it, but 
the other 30 I'm probably not looking at so much. And one of the point I'm trying to get over here is that index fund investing isn't always passive. And that's what we need to remember. I think this is lost on a lot of people because you have to separate when you find index funds and broad-based index funds. The the two I find are very different and, they, and they're designed to do two two different things because lots of people ask, say to me all the time, oh, I'm so diverse and I'm so passive because I'm invested in all these index funds. And they'll be like Health Innovation, ARK, Ark Invest, they'll be uh, INRG. And that's that they're not designed to be passive or at least they are a lot less passive than what the broad-based index funds the s p 500 the all world etf they are the passive investing they're the ones where they say set forget carry on forever and never think about it again in those situations the best investors are a dead investor or one that's forgotten that they've, they've actually invested in it and you'll find that 30 years later they will be millionaires they just wouldn't have known about it but the inrg ones the difference there to me and i don't know if you guys agree but it's a, it's a little fad that or a trend that i'm seeing at the moment is the all these new etfs are coming out and they're saying that they're index funds because basically they're running an algorithm at the start and they're picking a certain amount of stocks right from the start and then letting the algorithm continue on afterwards and to me that's just a managed etf but with you know extra frills uh, especially when it's quite specific in the ev sector or the energy sector do you guys feel similar to that do you did i explain that well enough to Get people yeah, a little to bit. understand that I mean, one. To okay. my mind, that makes a lot of sense. I tend to think that there's a general principle here that is: look, the more that a company takes up of an ETF, the more you really need to care about it before you buy that ETF. So something like the S and P 500, Apple's its biggest holding, but even Apple's not a massive percent of the whole thing, uh, and everything below it is pretty much tiny in and of itself. The S and P 500 could survive perfectly well one of those companies having a bad year, and still still march on more or less in the same way. Something like the INRG if Plug Power is taking up nearly 20% of it, as it was at one point, that ETF is going where Plug Power goes. Um, and if you want to buy that, you need to be comfortable with that idea. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think there is a decent idea behind them, which is if you think, say, look, I know nothing about cybersecurity, but I know a lot of people talking about it. I get the impression it's going to be a good thing. How do I just differentiate one cybersecurity company from another one? Not a clue. Pick them all. Uh, and you will pick the winner. Um, so as Steve was saying, if you think there's money going somewhere, whether it's just globally or into something specific like cybersecurity, an ETF can be a good way to get exposure to that. It can also do a lot of other things. And thinking about them in diversification terms, I think is a little bit tricky because a lot of what we've talked about so far has just been stocks. And it's been in a lot of cases, US stocks. And to say I'm diversified because I own a bunch of things that are all in the same country uh, and are all equities, uh, is is more diversified than owning two things that are in the same country and are both equities. It's a lot less diversified than you could be. Um, I was reading about a fun ETF a bit earlier, but I'll uh, I'll let Steve pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, so the only really thing I was going to add to that is that thematic ETFs, the things that are really narrow, your, your clean energy ETFs is a good example of it, are often there to capitalize on investor sentiment by charging higher fees. So the um, INRG um, ETF has a, has a very large fee. I think it's 0.75. I think it is uh, 
Yeah, I think it's, it's on high. par with with Ark. It may even be higher. Um, and that is realistically that there is to capitalize on a, on a, on an investor trend. I'm just going to point out that I just pulled up um, iClean. Um, which is the American version of it, just to have a look at it. And uh, iClean was started back in uh, 2007, and it's currently 30% down. So from 2007 today, you would still be 30% down. So even though all of us here could quite comfortably tell you that we think green energy is a trend that is is coming, (laughs) Um, if in 2007 you thought it was a trend that's coming, you would... still have your pants around your ankles, especially a period of 2012 to 2018 where it moved, uh, 2019, sorry, where it moved 20%, which over a near 10-year period is is nothing. Uh, it's probably less yeah, than it started, inflation. It actually started on the first solar boom. So there was a solar boom in 2007, mm. 2008, I think it was, and loads of solar companies filled the uh, the iClean ETF at that point and then they all crashed they they all massively smashed and it was at that point probably 2011 I think it was I haven't got the chart up but 2011 where solar just started to go again and uh, very few investors spotted that one um which is uh, yeah very very interesting one to do right okay let's cuz we're moving on quite a lot there I hope we've covered a lot on Can the, we just uh, just ETFs. one last point Go on, One then. last point before we do. Just, just with ETFs, they're uh, they are really, really important to um, to investing, passive investors. But the biggest problem you're going to get with it is apathy, and that is the biggest problem with your investment returns. Is that if you don't find investing exciting, you won't maximise the amount that you save. And especially at the beginning of a portfolio, your savings rate yeah. is the thing that's going to drive your return. So if you're not excited about ETFs, they they are actually a fairly poor way of getting started because if you just want to dip a hundred pound in a month and, and you don't look at it and you could put 300 you should be putting 300 so you need to find the balance between what keeps you interested and excited and which uh, and what generates you the best return so whether that is a core and yeah. a satellite style where you pick 90 percent in the etf and 10 percent you have fun money with or whether it's you know 50 50 or whatever it is you need to find that balance between the two to maximize the amount you save you need to be infused about it um it's all right saying you can put 100 pound a month away and you'll be a millionaire in 30 years but if you put 500 away you do it in half the time so it is really important that you uh you know you uh you are interested that's, in it again. That's an excellent point because I think you're, you're touching on one of the questions I get a lot for myself, particularly on YouTube here, is a lot of people do just say, why don't you just put it into an index fund and uh, let it ride and you never have to look at it again? And why do you pick stocks? You're never going to beat the market, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I've been convinced by a couple of people that we possibly could beat the market, but it's for the same reason as Steve just explained there. It's about your interest in it. If you're interested in making money and never thinking about it again, but you are, you have to be extremely interested because the most amount of return is going to come from how much you save. A lot of people here right now over the past two years are trying to bang in £1,000 into the market and then trade it up to a million because they think they can double it. If you double it every month, it becomes a million in a year. We've all seen the the stupid TikToks and stuff. It's not going to happen. Well, it's very rarely going to happen. Uh, it's very unlikely going to happen. So the the way you make money in the stock market 
is by continuing to save. And if you can increase your savings rate because you're more interested in something, it doesn't matter if you're picking stocks, ETFs or whatever, that, that's where you're going to make your money. Right. Very quickly, which uh, any favorite ETFs that you've got out there that you'd like to get your money into? I've got a favorite ETF, but not that I want to get my money into. I was looking at an ETF called Swan, which is really interesting to me. It's designed to basically guard your portfolio against black swan events like COVID. Uh, so it's 80% full of U.S. Treasuries that are supposed to average the return of the 10-year and 20% uh, call options on equities that are currently in the money and have long expiry dates. So basically, here's the thought. If the market goes up, your call options will go up in value because you'll be able to sell them better. If the market tanks, you will limit your losses on the options because they will expire worthless and you'll just lose the amount that you paid for the option. You won't be holding an equity that's gone down 50, 70%. You'll just lose your outlay. And when uh, equities go down, bonds generally go up. So your 80% treasury stuff will cover it for you and keep you largely flat. So I like this because I haven't worked out. I only saw this today. I haven't done much of a dig into this to see how well it works or what might uh, be the kind of wrench that blows both sides of that thing out. But here's the thing that ETFs can be good for. They can be good for hedging out risk in your portfolio. If you think there's danger coming, you can do it more simply with an inverted ETF basically. So something that is essentially a bunch of shorts. Um, and if you think there might be, if you're really worried that there's a market crash coming, um, I, I would urge you not to. But if you really are worried that there's a market crash coming, um, and I say this on an episode that we're going to record well beforehand and then release a lot later, probably the day after a massive crash. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you think that kind of thing is coming, then you can take out some of your risk with an inverted ETF. Um, or, or look at the Swan one if you're feeling more creative. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. I think that's, that's a pretty interesting. One. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to have a have a good read about that. I I have. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I have a favorite ETF in China and it's Tencent, um, but I'll give an honest mm. answer and say that um, <laughs> uh, I only hold one, and it's loosely. We're going to loosely call it an ETF, um, and it's what my pension fund is in. And it is the um, Vanguard Global All Cap, um, which is Vanguard's largest um, largest global uh, fund. It, my pension is solely in that fund. Um, I believe in global prosperity. I think the world's getting better. Uh, and I think the world will prosper uh, up to the time of my retirement. It's got a 0.23% fee. And I blindly throw money in that every month without looking at it. So uh, it is a good benchmark as well. Yeah, very good. Uh, from my point of view, I still like energy, especially after the uh, little mix-up that it's had. I still can't bring myself to buy it. Uh, uh, the, the big fee is a bit of um, a bit of an off-put, though. Uh, Quick question for you, Paul. Uh, go, go for it. As a dividend investor, or someone who likes dividend investing more than me or Steve, do you tend to favour ETFs that distribute rather than accumulate? I do, actually, yes, because... I guess it's the choice of where you want to distribute it to. Also, uh, very quickly, um, one thing that scared me very early was that in accumulated ETFs, especially if you have them in an invest account, they do still count towards your dividend tax uh, allowance. So you need to be very mm -hmm. aware of that. That was something. Again, accumulation dividends are very hard to separate that and and uh 
kind of keep track of your dividend because it all just does it for you. So you need to be very aware of that. And that's, that's another reason why I liked the distributed dividends as well. But yeah, it's mainly about choice. It's mainly about choice. If, if I decide that oh, I think the S&P 500 is overvalued, then uh, that I'd rather put it into small cap value, which is another one which I was going to talk about, which is the Vanguard small cap value. Um, small cap value has done very poorly over the past uh three to six years i think it was uh this is another ben felix thing i've been seeing a lot of specific etf investors talking about small cap value at the moment and it's in a cycle small cap value is in a very long cycle of poor performance and they and the belief is that this just comes back eventually uh so small cap value might be one to to think about uh, going forward. I think it's got a pretty low um, TR as well. Okay, right. Uh, but thank you. Very, <laughs> thank you very, very much for watching and we will see you next week.